Speaking Soundly is your backstage pass to today's biggest stars on the biggest stages from the worlds of opera, orchestral music and more. Host Metropolitan Opera Principal Trumpet David Krauss sits down with Rufus Wainwright, Joyce DiDonato, Winter Marsalis, Emmanuel Axe, Ray Chen, Marin Olsup, Ibrahim Malouf, and other superstars as they speak about their lives and creative processes. Speaking Soundly gives new perspectives and never-heard-before stories from renowned musicians, conductors, composers and singers. Catch the latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And follow the show on Instagram at speakingsndly. For more info about the podcast, check out artfulnarrativesmedia.com. Welcome back to the Classical Music Pod. It's very good to be in your ears. On the canals once more. Yes. In today's episode, we have uh, an interview with soprano Ella Taylor. I talked to them about their forthcoming role in Philip Glass's Agnarton. You also cover their candid feelings regarding starting new productions with new people. Yes, and we look forward to tackling Tobaldo in Royal Opera House's production of Verdi's Don Carlo. Um, remember to record onto the computer. Lovely. Hey, well, good morning, and thanks so much for coming on, Ella. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. We've been backwards and forwardsing, and you've been very patient with the emails uh, about trying to find a time slot. But I th- that's also because your life at the moment seems to be operating in a way that I hadn't realised is true for opera stars and singers is that your life is sort of decided for the next week every Friday. Yeah, well, yeah, in rehearsal. Um, I sure. uh, I had a I have a period of dates where I know I could have rehearsals, so sort of like a month blocked out, hmm. but then you get the final schedule, yeah, the Friday before the week of rehearsals. Um, so really, if anything, you've been very patient because... <laughs> I, I just sort of have to, I just have to go, well, I can't tell you anything. So if you just sit there and wait, then I'll let you know. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, this is a bonus in terms of social life and with things like work-life balance. I mean, that must be a whole different plate to keep spinning. Do you just treat the days off as bonus? Yeah, basically. I So, I, I mean, I'm also trying to, um, I have a, a recital as part of the Royal Opera House's um, Family Day on the 26th of February. Um, it's for LGBT History Month. And um, I've, I've said to both the organiser, because I get three hours of rehearsal time, I've said to both the organiser and my pianist, I've just said, well, I'll let you know, I'll let you know on the <laughs> Friday of the week before when I'm free um, and we'll just work it out. And I was like, you know, if the fancy room's not available, I don't mind. If as long as there's a piano and it's not the size of a broom cupboard, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's just sort of... It's become normal to you, I suppose. In the, yeah, that's... yeah. I sort of am just like, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> because in this production, I'm I'm not on stage all the time. So I'm mm-hmm. quite 
lucky in a sense that you know I've got today off obviously so I'm talking to you <laughs> um, and I've got a few afternoons off which is great because it means I can actually have a singing lesson again I had to say to my singing teacher I'll let you know on the Friday of the week before yeah. um, so it's just one of those things you know. And what does a normal normal <laughs> rehearsal day feel like I don't feel that we've ever taken listeners really sort of inside a working day as part of that rehearsal process what what's going on where are you in the in the arc of it at the moment? Yeah, well, so I've just I've just come in. So I'm playing daughter three in Aknarton at ENO at the moment. Um, and so there are six daughters and everyone else started rehearsals sort of the week before because mm -hmm. they're all on stage more, basically. And then we yeah. came last week for the first time. Aknarton as an opera is, well, especially Phelan McDermott's production is like, I think the definition of like epic theatre, just in terms of scale, it's yeah. massive. Um, on Friday we had the the chorus in, and it was like you know that's that's like seventy people in one room, and that's not even with we've got like a skills ensemble full of like jugglers mm. and acrobats and stuff, wow. you know, uh, let alone any of the props, you know. So yeah. it's um, lots of moving parts. Yeah, lots of moving parts. Um, it's my it's my first time being in an opera that has so many people. I mean, normally I've done a lot of like kind of more fringy things. Mm. Of working my way through the ranks and yeah you know, we go we go okay well you've got one prop um and we're sourcing some costumes <laughs> whereas whereas this is like you get in the thing is already sorted there are three stage managers which is like mental but you need three stage managers because there are so many people to organize and so many props to reset and redo every time yeah and, you know i spent friday morning i spent the first half an hour of it learning how to juggle oh that's so cool I am bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So this is a—it's an audio medium. So uh, you can just—you can demonstrate, and I'll go. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, yeah. whoa! Chainsaws at this early stage. Who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I don't like to show off. <laughs> classical music. Classical music pod. Classical music. Classical, classical music pod. I always want to say it with a Scouse accent. I want it to be, uh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> um, it looks absolutely wonderful. 11th of March opened. Hey, tickets are on sale. Everyone go and, you know, all the thing. Google it. It's, it's very findable. Can you sort of set the scene of where we are in history? I haven't managed to get past sort of the premise and I don't mean that yeah. in a silly way. I'm like, maybe it's that they don't want to tell you. Maybe it's that actually it's not as narrative as all that. It's sort of experience. I think I think the thing with a lot of, I would take it as a general rule for Philip Glass opera in general, is that mm. like, there will be a, like a through narrative, a through story of some kind, but it's really these like huge overarching themes of like stuff that, a normal human just doesn't have time to think about or comprehend. Hmm. Um, we were chatting with Phelan, the director, on Thursday, our first day in. My head like really hurt at the end of it. But he was talking about he was talking about how how reality exists on three planes, and that Philip Glass and like especially this opera of Martin, but his operas in general inhabit all three planes. So you have oh no, I'm gonna have to remember. You have sort of like the objective reality of everyday life so yeah. i exist you exist we see each other then you have dreamland reality so like the land of your dreams um and Phelan always says you're dreaming all the time 
it's you're conscious of it in sleep but you're not conscious of it when you're awake because you're too busy observing the reality in front of you yeah and then it's like a little cone and then right at the bottom is like essence something like essence that bit of the cornetto where they suddenly it's chocolatey yeah (laughs) um and he says that that's the space that really good art inhabits like theater or opera or Mm. anything really it's you can't really put it into words it's a it's a feeling it's like an inside feeling Mm. so pretty deep but back to Hatton Hartson so he wrote um three biographical operas Philip Glass as I recall and so he did one about Gandhi which is Satyagraha I'm glad you said that rather than me I've got it written down and I'm like ah just that's that's my brain that finds it very hard (laughs) well it was actually it was the first opera I ever saw so uh, one would hope that I don't know how to pronounce it. What an introduction. Yes, it was quite something. I thought for a 13-year-old, I wasn't too bored. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed with um, So, yeah, he did that. And then Einstein on the Beach, was, a, which is uh, unsurprisingly about Einstein. And then this third one, Akhenaten, which is about Akhenaten, the mm. uh, the uh, Egyptian pharaoh, or one of, <laughs> one of many Egyptian yeah. pharaohs. And I think probably why he chose... Akhenaten rather than any other pharaoh. I think he wanted to be worshipped. Yeah, that's what's than, around the back of my head. Is yeah, rather of... than all the Egyptian gods, um, mm. which I don't think worked out particularly well for him. But you have Akhenaten and Nefertiti and like these daughters, six daughters, who were all joined by this like web of hair together. It's quite wow. Creepy, and we did it with the fake with the fake hair. It was very complicated, <laughs> like just uh, trying not to step on each other. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Act one is one year of his life, hmm. basically just being crowned, and then Act two encompasses ten years. Okay, so time is a uh, shifting. Yeah, well, I think the whole point of um, Philip Glass operas is to like well, and actually, I think opera in general, it's the way time moves in opera is really different from the real world. And like, Mm. you have to be able to take the audience there because if somebody's thinking like saying an opera that isn't about such big things like Cosy, you know, Mm. like you've got someone thinking about love and sacrifice. And if you actually had that thought, that would take 20 seconds, but instead the Mm. aria takes seven minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So you've got to really take the audience on that journey and like believe that, that shift in time is just totally normal. And it's and it applies here, but in much kind of mm. grander thought spaces. <laughs> yeah, the only Philip Glass opera that I know a little bit about is because I, you know, I was a, a weak element in a good student production of Galileo Galilei, which uh, yeah. has time running backwards. So you start with him as an old man, mm. and then it goes back to, I think, even his dad or something like that at the end. But I was uh, concussed during... The performance of that so i don't oh, no. have like i think even my experience of time was on another plane you know, yes, I was, yes. you know three and then there's also the one where you've had a big bonk yeah. out of the head you were on your you were on your own <laughs> philip glass plane yeah exactly drop it it isn't worth it and actually you're not very good at it the next big old tentpole in your year, as far as I can tell, is heading to Royal Opera House for Verdi's Don Carlo, where you're playing mm. Tobaldo. 
is that a fair enough pronunciation of Tebelde? Yeah, yeah, it's Tebelde. Acceptable. Meaning, if it was English, it would be a Tybalt, like in um, like Shakespeare. Oh, uh, yeah, um, Prin Prince but of we Cats. Say, but we say Tebelde. <laughs> in this um, house, we say Tebelde. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, vocally, are you doing anything different? Or are you planning, will you change gears? Is it, I make this sound, I'm going to make it in a different context? Or are you consciously doing some re-plumbing for such a you know, repertoire separated by so much time? Mm. Well, I always think that the basics of singing technique are always the same, regardless of like what period you're singing in. Um, like I don't, I don't believe, I would never lighten off my voice to sing Baroque, for example. Like yeah. it's my voice, I'll, I'll sing it how I sing it and it will yeah. be historically accurate, I suppose, in the sense that at this moment in time, that's how I'm singing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the historical performance people are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> um, Slings and arrows out the window. No, you're fine. Yeah. I suppose it's just it, it'll be a different it'll be a different mindset. More just in mm. like the story is just obviously just so different. This is Don Carlo is based on a on a on a true story. Like this happened. Um, mm. I don't think that the page was an, an historically <laughs> accurate part of it. I will say, yeah. but you know, she's got to have a she's got to have a page. So that's where I come in. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's more just getting in, getting onto that hat. And also, to be honest with you, I'm just a bit nervous because mm. it's a big debut. It's a big deal. I want to yeah. do a good job, um, and I also want to go in and be able to feel like safe and respected like like you do in any workplace but it sort of feels like you still want to have that agency but I'm also like but I want to get hired again and then you're like but you should be able to have agency and do that and do that as well so I think it'll be an interesting uh, mm. challenge yeah it's definitely one that I'm I want to yeah grab it with both hands but it's um it's all scary to think about well it's it's a uh, interesting I mean it's lovely to talk to you at this moment where it feels like you are taking these steps onto you know as you say from fringier things which is everyone loves and it's often where so much of the most interesting stuff happens and where all this talent gets yeah, cultivated yeah. but like yeah there these are two big old stages that are in your year and people have it in all sorts of walks of life or whatever it is but that moment of you've hired me because of what I've done before but also I definitely want to satisfy what you want from me yeah. because and like that treading that line have you had any other moments before where you feel like I really nailed negotiating something like that before I really took a step up whether that's you know even from school to university or where you just felt like oh that that was a good balance if I can find that again I'll be I'll be on to a winner I think like well to be honest with you I've sung with like a lot of like big orchestras this year which has been mm. well something I'm very proud of um and also, you know, you still just get that just same expectation of having butterflies and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. I'm definitely most nervous about this because, well, I've covered at ENO before, so I kind of knew what to expect from the company. And also because it's an English, it's the English National Opera, hmm. it's not quite like most people who come and sing there are native English speakers. They totally just understand who I am and really hmm. like, understanding and forward thinking about trans issues and stuff and I, I've 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 really just enjoyed being in the re, in the rehearsal room yep. there because yeah, yeah. I did yeah there's kind of that com, sort of complicity and understanding that un, it can be unspoken because I don't have to like really explain anything 
Um, but I think I'm most nervous about going to the opera house because it's because it's an inter it's an international venue. So international singers come there and big, you know, big names, big people who might have big egos, I don't know. <laughs> um and I think it's about it's a lot harder, it can be a lot harder to explain the sort of like pronouns thing or even just the trans thing in general to someone mm. whose first language isn't English or just someone who lives who comes from a country where like that sort of thing is not as easily talked about or as yeah. freely talked about. I don't really want to come home from a rehearsal and be like, oh, that was really upsetting. Mm. Um, but also I do believe that a rehearsal is not the time to talk about that sort of thing. Like I, I do mm. it afterwards because I'm at, I'm at work, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that's, that's what I'm nervous about. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it's so easy to forget that all of these places are their workplaces. And for whatever reason in, again, in like any walk of life, people find this chemistry of people, this workplace really suits me. I, it gets the best out of me. And this workplace, actually, I don't, and it might be a very prestigious workplace. It might be a very, you know, all doing exciting work, but that chemistry isn't great. Or And it's going into a new one is always going to be crossing a, crossing a Rubicon. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think... You know, also with big opera houses like that, like that, and like ENO, you know, mm. really like so many people work there. So many work people work so hard to make opera happen there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you're really like such a a small. I mean, everyone's vital. So everyone's vital, obviously. But you've it's really hard not to go in thinking, well, I'm just a really small part of this. So how can I? take that take those steps to advocate for myself while also understanding that like in the grand scheme of this huge opera that where where do I sit in that not just as a singer but as as a person you know mm. yeah yeah. I wonder, I wonder if anyone else has these kind of existential <laughs> angst about this sort of thing <laughs> oh I'm sure I'm sure it's you know lots of swans lots of peddling underneath the surface yeah yeah but, but um... I just figure like I figure if if nobody talks about it then nobody will continue to talk about it so it's better to just be honest about mm. how, you, how you're feeling about it isn't it on the page it looked nothing the beginning simple almost comic just a pulse bassoons basset horns like a rusty squeeze box Suddenly, high above it, an oboe. A single note hanging there, unwavering. Until a clarinet took it over. Sweetened it into a phrase of such delight. Have you got little rituals? Have you got something that you definitely do definitely don't do I don't have a, like a routine or anything mm. um it's just not the sort of thing I find helpful to be honest I think like obviously loads of people do and that's really legit but mostly I just I have to remember that all the fears that I'm having are like perfectly legitimate first of all and also I just have to remember it sounds really silly but I have to remember that I can sing and that's why <laughs> I was hired you know? <laughs> Yeah, get out a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I can sing. Um, which sounds so 
ridiculous but I think mm. people not just me like do forget that like like really you don't have to be perfect especially in a rehearsal if it's mm. not gone as well as you thought well that's fine that's what the rehearsal's for I suppose one of the most like gig that I say I've done this year that I find like very it was very precious to me was uh, Goretzky Symphony of Sorrowful Songs with the Philharmonia Orchestra wow. and I was really nervous for that because Basically, once you're in with one of those big orchestras, then everyone else is like, oh, okay, they're actually good at singing. Well, maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll take a chance now. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I really, really can't mess this up. And it's one of it's one of my favorite pieces ever, anyway. And mm. I first sang it, it was a fundraiser concert back in my hometown in Sheffield for the music service there. So it had like a lot of emotional meaning yeah. to me anyway. I sang it in the cathedral where I was a chorister, like I and it was so cool to get kind of upgrade I guess although that sounds cruel because it was a wonderful concert but mm. so, to that sort of professional standard and the, like, the rehearsal was fine obviously it was great mm. but I was like sweating <laughs> <I> was so, <laughs> and, and it was really hot because it was in the summer um, so I was like really warm and just like getting a bit getting a bit stressed and my, my, I rang my partner and I was like please can you go and get me a McDonald's because I really need to <laughs> Um, so maybe that's my method just eat a load of junk food yeah but I just like sat I kind of like just got into my concert outfit and it was nice because I didn't have to wear a suit because that's not really the vibe of where we were doing it at bold tendencies and it was kind of a a special place to do it because it was there wasn't that pressure of like it was at the South Bank Centre or something you know yeah like snobby people might be looking at you and thinking certain things like it's in Peckham Mm. (laughs) yeah I can get a bus I can get a bus to Peckham like um (laughs) Just tried to be like really present in the moment of what what we were performing, what we were singing mm. about, and just remembering that I, I, I earned this. I didn't. Mm. I didn't just. This isn't luck. Well, it's a bit of luck. A lot of being a singer yeah. is a bit of luck, to be fair. But, <laughs> but you know, the talent that everybody has, you know, it's it's hard, hard fought for, hard won, and mm. therefore you deserve any success that you do get. Mm. Um, and then I cried at the end because I was like, "Oh, this is brilliant!" Yeah. <laughs> so it, was really, it was nice to be so emotionally present yeah. because it then allowed for like a night, a big. Luckily, I don't sing for about ten minutes at the end, so I just sort of stood there and was like, "Ah, flood." And it's a great advert, actually, that for being emotionally present is that then you get the highs. Is if yeah. you've sort of tried to shut yourself off from. The, the lows or the preamble then you're you're going to miss out on that big weeping yeah. moment like and subscribe like and subscribe so that's that's like your bit of steel in the spine that you can take to Royal Opera House right and it'd be like I'm going to be emotionally present and it's going to have some highs and some lows I think once the first rehearsal's over I'll just feel infinitely better <laughs> mm. I think oh, that always yeah. helps. It's that classic. It's also just the classic first day of school nerves. I was nervous to go into the Acknelton rehearsal room and I knew that would be fine. You know? Yeah. But it was still just meeting loads of new people. Like you said, it's a new workplace and it's the kind of unique thing about being like a freelance musician of any kind, but particularly, I guess, a singer working in opera houses or up with opera companies is that mm. you have a completely new workforce like every three months. Which is like, it's crazy. So if people feel a bit awkward, that is perfectly normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you all right if we talk a little bit around the trans stuff regarding, I mean, maybe 
using Tobaldo as a way into that because it's a yeah, sure. it's a yeah. trouser role, right? I mean, and yeah, yeah. I, I, figured, I thought I thought it would probably be if I brought it up, it would be more organic than you having to just ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what I find, you know, thinking about this, trying to develop some questions and and some thinking on this, and I I was trying to think, oh, you know, is it is it that you're going to turn up and it's going to be such a different thing because you're arriving in a non you know non-binary way for a trouser role rather than a cis woman playing a a man is that is that a big deal or is it actually not a big deal at all and i think i mean it probably might vary from monday to friday i yeah. am obviously not the arbiter of that but the kind of my like gut reaction was well actually there's probably more difference between someone doing it in 1950s italy and 2020 london than maybe there is between or this particular person and that particular person but that's just kind of what i was spitballing in my head does it feel like it comes with extra connotation for you yeah it, um it really does actually because i oh. think i think the what the main reason i really um feel nervous about playing trouser roles is hmm. because i think that's what people think i want um, right. as, as like yeah. a non-binary person I think like there's a lot of well oh, in, in my that. past there's been a lot of like treading on perceived treading on toes or or rather not treading on toes yeah like costumes and what I I would want from mm. a role or a production and all I want from a role in the production is well that well like what it is you know yeah like yeah if yeah I'm, if I'm playing Tobaldo that's great. Tobaldo's a boy. He's gonna. Yeah. I, I'll probably still be. The weird thing is, is that I'll probably still be wearing like a long wig or like because that <laughs> been like the style in the 1500s. Yeah. So I don't. <laughs> for, so as far as I'm concerned, it's not um, different than the wig no. I'm gonna wear in Aston. Um, so, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that would be my main. Like, my agent and I are just always like we really have had to fight. Pardon, not well, fight is a bit aggressive, but like mm. there's so much just sort of like, yes, Ella can play women. Yes, they're happy to play women. Yes, they're happy to wear a dress. Yes, yes, yes. Because people, I mean, fair enough, I've got short hair. I don't like wearing dresses in my day to day life because yeah. I don't much hate them. Um, but you're an actor. I mean, it's. But, well, it's yes, it, that's, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am an actor. So you weren't. Uh... I always, my favorite thing to say to people because it always makes them go, oh, yeah. Is that like I was pretending to be a woman for like twenty two years, so I think <laughs> I probably would be quite good at it on a stage. <laughs> well informed. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got years of expertise. <laughs> mm. so, um, yeah, I suppose that yeah, that's my main sort of. I guess it is a bit of a hang up. Like I don't. I guess. Yeah, it's more of a. I don't really know what I want to say. I plus I'm happy to play women. I suppose is what I want to say. Yeah, very happy to do it. But I think people are realizing that, mm. like slowly. And I think it really does come from a good place as well, which I always try and factor in. Like sometimes, sometimes allies in an attempt to be good ones ally so much that it just becomes a bit much. <laughs> they yeah. just need to rein it back in, and it's all fine. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, going back to that idea of fight, maybe it's more like marking out your mm. own... I mean, I'm currently unaware of many other people. I know that there's a couple in this generation, but historically it doesn't seem to be like, hey, well, we can just use that model from 20 years ago in the same way that you could say, oh, well, this 
base is going to... Yeah, he, oh, next John Tomlinson. Coming through, mm. there you go. Like, exactly going to have that career kind of thing. And, I, and good luck to whoever that is. No but, problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to... You're going to have a career that probably doesn't have loads of reference points for people making decisions mm. or like try, even trying to you know just say like what a wonderful talent what can we how can we develop it it might be that actually you end up having exactly the same career as someone who's come before you but you're going to do it in a slightly different way oh well i always like to say well maybe loads of trans people have sung on the stage of the royal opera house but you just don't yeah, know very it very good yeah good point. um but I get so embarrassed when people talk about me in this way because I just am like just here like singing my little songs. Mm. Um, but because <laughs> when you when you do things like authentically, mm. and I, uh, I I'm not shy at all about the fact that I'm trans and I'm very proud of it. Mm. And then so people just are like, "Wow, that's amazing!" Like living your true life, like you're such a trailblazer for young trans singers. And I'm like, well. I, I want there to be loads of trans singers because trans people, much like everyone else, are a mixture of very talented and some are not talented, <laughs> like, <laughs> like everyone else in the world. Yeah. And I want the talented ones to be able to have the kind of career that they deserve. Yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, maybe that's a really good point that you make about like people not knowing, not having a reference point for a singer like me, kind of personality wise mm. i mean i'm sure vocally that i remind people yeah. of quite a lot of singers yeah and it also might well be that the next cab off the rank in 10 years time the next trans singer who comes through actually might have really different opinions from you about what they want to do and they try and use you as a reference point and then it's like oh no no actually i i definitely only want to do trans roles whatever you know whatever it is they, well, they yeah, have their I mean, own personality there's, there's already uh, i already know stuff. of a i already know of a trans man who's a mezzo um mm. who only sings trouser roles because that's what he wants to do yeah which is legit like yeah if that but then you know i know a trans woman who's a baritone and she is more than happy to kind of drag up as a man mm. <clears throat> like all people in of any form but especially people in a minority like you can't trust them to be a monolith because people have too many opinions on too many <laughs> things <laughs> Maybe now's a good moment to just think and ask about the Trans Voice Choir. Is that oh, the yeah, trans right voices. name? Trans, trans Voices. Because yeah. um, I watched the Reclaim film and mm. loved it. And I just wondered what, if you could express some of the stuff that I think comes across in that film of trans people singing together and that fellowship, perhaps. Yeah, I think fellowship's a good word uh, for it, to be fair. Um, I was also, weirdly enough, quite nervous to go into that space because I don't, like I'd never made art with like trans people before, and I didn't. Mm. Not that, not not that it would necessarily be any different, but I sort of didn't know what it would entail or what it would be or what we'd end up doing. But it just yeah, it ended up being really kind of magical, I guess. Um, I, it was also just artistically something I'd never done before. Like I don't improvise. That's what I, I was <laughs> obviously. Just I just the... read. I read the music off the sheet. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes I sight read if it, if it's a Sunday morning and I want an extra <laughs> 60 quid. It was very wonderful to be around a, meeting a bunch of new people who were trans and 
musical and love who loved singing and all types of different genres of singing. Like I'm the only one in the group who really sings classical music. You yeah. know, got musical theatre, pop, rock, like indie, like all mm. kinds of genres, and it makes for a really interesting sound world because obviously, you know, the way we all sing is so different from each other and it, it can still well I I think it still sounds like really sonorous and like yeah. cohesive which is kind of incredible but yeah just to make music in that way is just something I'm so not like used to so that yeah. was really interesting and actually quite a, ended up being just quite a good challenge and it's nice to think about you know I think it's really important to look outside of the the way you make your music and try and just attempt at least some new things every so often because it yeah. probably makes you a better musician in your field in the long run um so yeah it's great I mean I that um ROH family day I'm doing the recital in I'm also trans voices are doing a like a little kind of workshop slash concert thing as well and it's great because yeah. I've been every time they ask me if I'm free I'm like no because <laughs> I'm quite busy <laughs> no, but I was actually free for this so it'd be nice to see them again and makes do some more singing yeah, ah, oh, that sounds great, and I would really recommend the film to anyone who's listening because it's it's fifteen minutes, fourteen minutes or something, and I was just yeah enwrapped. I think those Guardian shorts are often really really great, but this is a particular yeah. Fifteen minutes is a nice length as well. It's enough time that the 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 world isn't going to try and distract you too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe uh, this is a question with no obvious answer because hey, we all have to take the opportunities that come our way. But the span of music that you are covering at the moment is just absolutely wild. <laughs> like, <laughs> listening to the bizarre, like Handel, Gretzky, Purcell, Mahler, Vaughan Williams is in the diary. I'm like, okay. And obviously some contemporary stuff. Um, I listened to you singing Sparrow in the Shadwell oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. And uh, again, I'll put a link to that in the description. It's really lovely. Okay, that's about 15 minutes listen or something like that isn't it it's, um yeah it's like a it's like a digital short opera you know yeah and i bet you've got some gregorian chant in there somewhere if you really needed it i mean so like yeah God, i mean moment, me trying to read you you don't want me to read news but like this this uh your radar is about as wide as as anyone that i'm i'm aware of at the moment and Twitter tells me that in Germany they call that kind of singer a potato. Just saying. I mean, I don't oh know yeah, I saw that. I saw that too. Thank you, Twitter. <laughs> are you going to keep being a potato kind of singer? Do you hope, or is it just see what people want you to do and be on big stages? I think, like most musicians, really don't get the um, basically the luxury of choosing mm. the kind of music that they sing is probably my tactful way of putting it yeah but i, I sing what i one. sing because yeah. you know gotta pay those bills like because yeah. i think music obviously i'm a musician i think music is amazing i always there's always something to love in any any piece of music that you do mm. because if you don't find something to love then you'll have a bad time and at work and that'll just be awful not every singer can be a pavarotti and just swan around the world like just singing whatever they want, basically. Yeah. <laughs> or just being like, I only sing Ness and Dorma. Some singers can do that now, but it's just not the sort of career that really exists anymore because mm. of like, well, scarcity of work and sort of really so many singers. <laughs> like mm. there's so many singers. Yeah. But I, it's really interesting and it keeps me on my toes and it and I like I said, I always, even if I don't start off loving the music, I by the end I do love it because mm. it's just there's always just something so 
brilliant about each each bit of it you know if, if I really wanted to cherry pick at the moment probably all I would sing is like quite a lot of Mozart because it is brings me a lot of like technical joy to sing because it's quite mm. tricky and then when you crack it you know that you're singing really well basically you're like yeah. oh good tick good singer <laughs> um, and also you know I'm a young singer and young singers should sing lots of Handel and Mozart because it's very good for them um mm. That's that's this old young singer's advice of the day. Because um, <laughs> I haven't done a lot of recital work. I think that would be something that I would like to do more of mm. because then you also have your own agency about what you choose. And I, the music I choose is not always because I think it's like my favourite piece of music, but I try and be like, I guess a bit political about it. Like I always try and have at least one woman or at least, you know, one something that isn't just the normal lineup of the dead white men which I've sung so many so mm. much of and I I love them they write good music but there's lots of mm. other good music out there too I'll sing anything I think I think more importantly I basically can sing most things so mm. which is helpful I want to come to that recital where it's you know Handel Gretzky and then a whole lot of people I've never heard of and I'm going to come away thinking Wow, that's some new fuel from a fire. Um, that's that's grand. And maybe just one other thing on the future would be if our opera houses and institutions want to keep moving in the right direction. I think there's a general feeling uh, you seem to have expressed from like, you know, it's like the will is there that generally most people are like, hey, we want to we want to be as inclusive as we can be. We want to celebrate everyone's talents. What do you think are little steps that would help keep people moving in the right direction? Hmm. Sorry, that's a big one. There you go. Just plop yeah. that there right at the end. Yeah, I'm just, uh, <laughs> just thinking about my answer. Uh, cut those pauses out because oh, people, people will think the podcast has ended. <laughs> it's the great joy of the podcast like, is I could whittle down all my, which I am very good at. <laughs> uh, small steps. Or maybe it's big steps. Well, I mean, I don't know what the... Oh, yeah, yeah. I suppose that... Yeah. Well, what I would say is you can only take the small steps if you've done the prerequisite thinking. And I mm. would argue that a lot of opera houses around the world haven't even done the prerequisite thinking to make any, like, physical, practical changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's because people don't like being told that they're doing something wrong or like mm. it's not the best way to do things um or well it's just how we've always done it yeah um, which you should like mm. throw in the bin as an idea anyway if you do things how you've always done them that's really stagnant and boring it makes boring art anyway <laughs> just saying so yeah I don't think I have any like I don't think I have any small steps because I think about I mean you know, there's already so many steps to take. What are you supposed to do when, like, a bee, a bee house in Germany still does blackface? I mean, you know, I, you can't have conversations about anything else because they refuse to believe that that's even wrong. You yeah. know, that's what. Yeah. And singers still think it's not wrong. So, what are you? Mm. You know, it, it's um, yeah, just depressing. I don't really have an answer because also, like the, the world that we live in seems to just get in, be getting increasingly more hostile, and it's really hard not to let those that rhetoric like pervade your thoughts in order to make 
good art that is inclusive and accessible or however you however you define accessible because um, mm. I, I think that work can mean a lot of things you have to create a kinder fairer more interesting world in yeah. the first place that then allows that sort of art to be made where it's not like it's not a gimmick and it's not immediately torn down by like people dec- like decrying like oh woke culture's at it again you know yeah, um, I'm I'm a big sports fan, and whenever there's particularly racism in football, it's always oh you know ah oh, football fans are horrible and racist, and all my my favourite football journalist always just points out that football is a reflection yeah football stadium is a reflection of society. It, yeah. it might reflect one portion of it more than another, or actually often it doesn't. But yeah, opera audiences, opera companies, they reflect a wider society, don't they? And they might reflect one portion more than another or, you know, a certain kind of group of interests. But actually, if the wider society hasn't moved or is, mm-hmm. yeah, as you say, still finding certain things acceptable, then you're like, well, then maybe that's the bigger gears at work. And it's not, it can't be the responsibility of individual performers to try and shift those gears yeah, um, and absolutely, and that's not me saying that's not me saying that you shouldn't take responsibility and try and try and shift things. You know, this is not me saying, oh, it's fine, opera houses, you can just carry no, on. No. The world's a mess. <laughs> yeah. like, no, you should try and make yeah. incremental or monumental changes because it's important, um, but it's very difficult in a world that is like kind of just a really <laughs> a real mess <laughs> right now um so i admire people who really do try in any small way and the problem the point of trying is obviously that sometimes you'll get things wrong and that small step is about being able to not be so arrogant to assume that like someone is attacking you when they say you've got it wrong mm. you know yeah so that's but people are bad at that in general because people hate being wrong because it feels really <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> speaking okay. of which shall we do some pub quiz questions <laughs> okay yay i'm gonna shout uh, at you <laughs> <laughs> no, so, um i just thought you know you can go in you can go into your next rehearsal with some real good egyptian trivia and uh we could yeah, test it think, wow what a genius so number one cleopatra lived closer to the building of the first pyramids or the invention of the iPhone? That's wow. time rather than geography. As well. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. like, like, quite proximate, uh, but just in terms of time. It's, it's... Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, these are supposed to be quick fire questions, I assume, but I'm no. just trying to be like, when was Julius Caesar around? <laughs> uh, okay, because I think it's pyramids, I'm going to say iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. I wouldn't be asking if it was pyramids. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, she's 69 BC. Yeah. Um, and uh, the pyramids are 2550 BC. 2550. Huh. So, I mean, just it turns out Egypt was a big deal for a long time. That's my main yeah. takeaway from that is absolutely ages. Uh, That's crazy. Time, man. You see? Time. It'd fill it fit with glass. He'd probably do that in the fourth act. It would just be, there you go. Yeah. iPhone. Bandages on a mummy are thought to stretch up to A, 16 metres, B, 160 metres, or C, 1.6 kilometres. 
I'll go with the middle one, 160. It's a very reasonable way of doing things, but actually it is 1.6 kilometres. Whoa. So think of that next time you've got your, your long wig on. You think, mm. you know, this is this is awkward. I do, but... actually, I do actually have to touch a Caprop mummy, so I'm going to be thinking about that when I have to touch it. <laughs> there's, there's like 1.6 kilometres of bandage between you and it, so it's actually fine. So it's actually fine. <laughs> and then this is semi-topical. Whilst the building of the necropolis at Deir el Medina workers under sorry whilst building the necropolis at Deir el medina workers under ramesses iii did what supposedly for the first time that workers did this well i think given what you just said it's probably striking they did striking how cool is that um, yeah help the workers come on guys make that union we've been at it since ramesses iii and it's still ongoing anyway hey cool uh, still got terrible working conditions <laughs> Hooray. have we got the edge on, on on building the necropolis maybe we'll see well you just sprinkle those into rehearsal somewhere and i bet everyone will be will be really impressed the striking one is great because then when somebody complains about train strikes i can go well, they're meant to be disruptive. Did you know that under Ramesses the second, was it? I've already forgotten. <laughs> um, workers strike for the first time. And look, we've got amazing buildings because of that. So maybe we'd have amazing train lines if you just supported the striking workers. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! Um... <laughs> All right then, Timber, what did you make of that? I was tearing my hair out when you'd been talking about juggling. Yeah. And you said, yes, lots of moving parts. That you didn't follow that by saying figuratively and literally, right? Because juggling is is literally moving. <laughs> and figure it, you know, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't got any tear to hair. Tear to hair? Hair to tear. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I'm really pleased that there was that you found that in it. That was your main takeaway. No, that wasn't my main takeaway. I well, the first thing that uh, struck me was when they said the talent that everybody had is hard won, and therefore mm. you deserve any success that you do get. What struck me was the word talent. So mm. you know, traditionally we think of talent as something that is raw nurtured, material. Raw material. Yeah. Um, there's a nice Alex Ferguson thing where he says hard work, developing yourself is a talent in and of itself. It's not, mm. you don't develop talent. Hard work is the talent. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it's just good to have different perspectives on these things. It was quite a good antidote to any imposter syndrome out there. Mm. I thought. The second thing that struck me was how many wise sort of little aphorisms yeah. and adages. I don't know if... General wisdom general quote wisdom. was high from Ella. Really say. high, yeah. So I've I written down a couple of things. I mean, the point of trying is that sometimes you'll get things wrong. And that small step is about being able to not be so arrogant to assume someone is attacking you when they say you got it wrong. Mm, I should have heard that echoing in my ears at many points in my youth. Oh, God, me too. Well, and right up into my... 31st year what about you sam what were the main takeaways uh i enjoyed being confounded about uh, ella's casting as tobaldo mm. and i've been thinking about it in a sort of principled audience perspective uh it doesn't matter to me who's on stage uh who's playing who 
because I just want to see a wonderful production. Mm. But of course, to those individuals who've been cast in those roles, it is hugely important. And for Ella, I hadn't considered that there was conversation around who they have access to playing, who they don't want to be typecast as playing, all Mm. just stuff. And it reminds you that always these things are personal as well as broad. I can't remember exactly what they said about monoliths. Yes, I wrote that down in my list of quotes. Like any minority, you can't trust them to be a monolith. Yeah, there's always individual experience as well as collective Mm. characteristics. Also linked to this idea that you coined of emotional labour. Oh, yeah. Uh, When they mentioned starting a new production at the Royal Opera House was nerve-wracking because it was such an international institution. Yeah. And they were apprehensive about having to go through those pronoun conversations, for example. Yeah, and it's it's just a task you don't realise that people might have to pick up just those little extras mm. here or there that could be really taxing. Mm. Or they could not have to happen at all, but you have to be prepared and re- readied. And it's just another layer on top of all the extra stuff that must mm. come with taking that first step in being in a huge production. Uh, no, lots, lots to take away and think about from that, I think. Why, 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 why